Praise God. Hallelujah. Communion weekend. Always a special thing. Amen. It causes us to remember all the things that Jesus has done for us. It causes us to kind of get back to the foundations of our faith, the foundations of our beliefs. And, and I pray that tonight is a night of gratitude. I pray that tonight is a night of just stirring up our remembrance of all that the Lord has done for us and all that he's doing right now, all that he'll do for us in the future. Amen? Yeah, amen. That's why we're here tonight. Amen? Yeah. There's a lot of places we could be tonight, but we choose to come together. We choose to offer an opportunity on Saturday nights for those who can't make it here on Sunday because it's so important for us to come together, even as the Word of God tells us in the book of Hebrews, that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And he goes on to say, especially as we see that day approaching. We know what day he's talking about, the day when Jesus Christ returns to this earth, amen? And all of his glory and all of his majesty, he's not coming back, he's not coming as the lamb, he came the lamb the first time, amen? This time he comes as the mighty warrior as a conquering king. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So that's the highlight of this weekend is when we come together as a family. And I'm glad that we do take communion the way we do here. Um, you know, I'm like many of you in this room tonight, uh, raised Catholic and in the Catholic church when you take communion, it's you go one person at a time, one person at a time, one person at a time. How do you remember? All right. And uh, when I started first coming to a church like this, and the very first time I ever went to a communion service, it made such an impact on my heart, because we're taking it together like a family. Amen. Amen. You could just picture how the disciples sat around that table with Jesus, and they all took the bread, they took the cup, and they took it together like, like a family, like his family. And I pray that, that we're successful tonight in, in getting you to see that same picture as we partake of communion together. Now, let me just say this up front, because I, 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 we always see new people coming, new people uh, as our guests here, and um, maybe this is the first time you're going to take communion with us. I want you to understand something, okay? Uh, there are some churches place restrictions upon communion. You have to be a church member. You have to be baptized. You have, or you're forbidden to take communion if you went through a divorce or anything like that. You're welcome to take communion with us. We don't see any of those restrictions in the Word of God. We see the Lord Jesus Christ telling us everybody's free to come to the table. Amen. Amen. So please, if, yeah, if you went to a church like that, that's not us. We're sorry that you went through that. Uh, it's not Jesus. It's not God. It's not the Holy Ghost. There's nothing in the Word of God that restricts anyone from taking communion. In fact, most of those same organizations will call communion the grace of God. Well, then how do you deny the grace of God to anyone? Amen. So you're welcome. Amen. So we always like to take the entire weekend in each service and dedicate the time to preparing our hearts to take communion. We believe that's an important thing. We believe it's not something that's just slap on the end of the service. And so the message tonight is aimed at preparing our hearts to partake of communion at the end of the service. Amen. Now, Isaiah 26, verse 3. I'm going to read to you from the New King James. You, talking about God, will keep him, us, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So let's look at that again. What are we being promised here? We're being promised that if we'll keep our mind 
on the Lord, if we keep our mind on God, that he will be able to keep us in perfect peace. Now, if you read that in context, it's shalom, shalom. Perfect shalom. Amen? Uh, Being complete. Having that peace that passes all understanding. But it requires us keeping our mind on him. In other words, staying focused on him. How many of you see a difference in your life when when you know that you're in a season where you're focused on him, not being distracted by everything else that's going on? How many of you realize that the quality of life is different? Amen? So that's what we're going to aim for tonight. And so one of the most effective ways for us to keep our focus on the Lord, on our Savior, is to do what Jesus commanded us to do when it involves communion. Now, understand something. Again, if you came out of the same kind of religious background that I came out of, we were taught that every time we came together and had communion, it was basically sacrificing Jesus again. How do you remember that? Okay? Uh, The Bible doesn't teach that. In fact, Jesus himself said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Not, don't crucify me again every single time you come together. Amen? Luke chapter 22, verse 19. And he, Jesus, took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, to the disciples, to all those that were present, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in what? There's, there it is. Do this in remembrance of me. So if anything, if you had to describe what we actually do when we come together for communion, uh, we're basically, uh, we're not having a funeral. You remember that, right? And we're not having an execution. You remember that, right? If you want to do anything, let's call this a memorial. We're remembering, we're honoring, okay? We're, we're showing our gratitude, we're stirring ourselves up in the reality of how our salvation was purchased. And so that, that, stress, that stress on that word remembrance, that emphasis on that word remembrance. Now, to you and I, this might be something different. Because of backgrounds that we come from, to remember this. But when Jesus said this to the disciples, this wasn't a foreign thing for him. And neither was it a foreign thing for them. Because do you remember what they were celebrating when Jesus instituted what we now call uh, the Lord's Supper? Passover. What is Passover? Passover is a holiday of remembrance. The whole concept of celebrating that holiday was we're remembering how God rescued us, how he ransomed us out of slavery, how he took us out of Egypt and brought us into promised land. So the whole theme is remembrance, 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 remembrance. So this is is not, it's a unique thing for us, but it's not unique for communion. The whole basis of what they were celebrating was remembering. And so Jesus is equating himself with the lamb that they, were, that they were using in their celebrations. They understood the importance of the lamb in Passover. They understood the importance of the blood being shed. They totally understood all of these things. And he kind of like, after, uh, let's see, 1500 BC, um, so we're talking about 1500 to 1600 years after Passover was instituted. Okay, Jesus now on that night ties the whole thing together. Amen? Amen. Now, if you're familiar with any traditions during Passover, the start of the Passover dinner, the Passover Seder, which I'm told can last for hours, at some point during that dinner, a little boy or a little child is going to ask, why is this night so different than every other night? Mm 
And I imagine at that last, what we call the Last Supper, somebody there, the youngest one, possibly could have been John, because we know he was one of the youngest of the disciples, or maybe there might have been some young children there. Somebody would have inevitably asked the question, why is this night so different than any other night? Could you imagine at the end of the night when they looked back and they realized how different this night was? What all that took place? Jesus tied the whole thing together and put a bow on it that night. They knew that night why that night was so different than the others. So this observance is so important that Jesus himself, listen to this now, we're talking about communion. Communion is so important. If, you want, if you're used to call it the Eucharist, if you're used to call it the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, whatever you want to call it, we're talking about the same thing. It's so important that Jesus, listen to this now, taught Paul himself about communion. You listening? And we get the direction that we get, an instruction that we have for the church. And they say, well, in the Gospels, it talks about communion. Yes, it talks about communion in the Gospels. But the instructions the church has for communion is found in 1 Corinthians. And Paul says, I received from the Lord that which I received, that I received from, uh, I received from the Lord that which I give unto you. Here it is, 1 uh, Corinthians eleven twenty three. You see what Paul, now Paul never saw Jesus in person, right? <laughs> Tell me when you want to. When you're ready to listen. You getting this? Did Paul see Jesus in person? Was Paul here when Jesus was on the earth in ministry? Was he, did they ever meet in person? No. Yet, Paul says, I receive from the Lord that which I also give unto you. The Lord taught him this. Now, we know at some point in Paul's life, he spent, depending on which Bible scholars you talk to, anywhere from three to 13 years out in the desert, just communing with the Lord. Almost like David in the shepherd, when he was shepherding his father's flock. God only knows how many years he spent out there taking care of the sheep and talking to God, taking care of the sheep, talking to God. And God taught him things. Well, Jesus has taught things. Now, watch this now. Jesus chooses the one person who was never there at the Last Supper to teach him what the Last Supper really means. Isn't that interesting? You think maybe it's possible that the other guys that get stuck in tradition, stuck in what they perceived Last Supper was all about. And Jesus says, I gotta find a fresh new voice. I gotta get some fresh, somebody with fresh revelation to give instructions to the church about how this Lord's Supper is supposed to be handled. And so I think it's extremely important, that's why I'm making a fuss over it, that we follow the directions. If Jesus thought it was important enough to teach Paul, now we don't know if this was in a vision, or if Paul's referring to hearing from, from the Lord that audible voice teaching him, we don't know which way, but we know this, that Jesus taught him himself. And so we should pay attention to this. For I received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant in my blood. Amen. Did I say, did I mention it was a new covenant? Yes. In his blood? Yes. 
This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Here's that word again. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This is important. It's important for, for us to be together. Now, there's some churches, they only take communion once a year. Other churches, they take communion every time they get together. We believe somewhere in the middle is safe. Amen? Because I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, when I used to go to church, and uh, like I said before, as soon as I heard those bells, I'm like, okay, we're out of here soon. <laughs> That's about as much as it meant. Because you see, familiarity breeds contempt. And on top of that, let's be honest with each other. We were never taught anything about this. We're just here, do this, kneel, stand, kneel, stand. Come up, open your mouth. And, and I'm saying this because it's going to be a very important part of what we're learning tonight. Because some of you are doing the same thing I did 39 years ago when I first heard about communion. I'm like, I was like, what? This is so significant. How come nobody ever told us this? Why didn't anybody teach us? We would have held it in higher esteem. We would have had more reverence for it. Amen? Amen. Thank God we can now. So he goes on to say, now watch this in verse 27, because now we're going to get into the teaching part. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. So if there's an unworthy manner, then it makes sense that there would be a worthy manner. Okay, so let's learn what the unworthy is so we can stay away from that. Amen? Whoever, whoever drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, or we could say it this way, let a person examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 29. For he who eats and drinks, here we go again, so this must be an important thing. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Look at this next phrase. Is it up there on the screen? Is it in yellow? Read it with me nice and loud. Ready? One, two, three. Not discerning the Lord's body. Now watch this now. When, when I was in my denominational church, I could not discern the Lord's body because nothing was taught to me about the Lord's body. I had no clue about Isaiah 53. I had no clue. I thought Jesus went to the cross because they hated him, they murdered him. And because he died on the cross for our sins, that, that we would go to heaven. That's all I thought. The very first time I ever heard a teaching about Isaiah 53, which we're going to get into, that not only did he take upon himself all of our sin, all of our shame, all of the punishment that we deserved, but it goes on to say that by his wounds, we're healed. That floored me. I had no idea. So watch this now. I could not discern the Lord's body. I could, what, what, I could not read the benefits of communion because I did not understand it had no revelation and no teacher about what was involved in the Lord's body. Amen? Because then verse 30 goes on to say, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many asleep, many sleep. 
For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. New American Standard translation in verse 29 says, For this, this one who eats and drinks and drinks judging to himself if he does not properly recognize the body. Now, Paul was very concerned about this in the church at Corinth, that they were not receiving the benefits of communion. So he brought correction to them, and that's how we have all this instruction in chapter 11. See, if you're not fully comprehending the Lord's body, communion will be no effect to you. In fact, it says there that some people got sick and some have died when they didn't have to. Let's add that in. They, were, they got sick and died and they didn't have to if they would have been able to discern that healing comes through communion. So in studying this subject, there's a double meaning in that phrase, discern the body. On one hand, it's Christ's physical body, his sacrifice. On the other hand, we are the body. Now please listen to this tonight. So is it possible that we've missed out on a major blessing in communion by not truly comprehending what was accomplished in Christ's body on the cross? Yes, yes, we have. We missed it. And some of us missed it for years. I missed it for the first 27 years of my life. I did not draw from communion what the Lord desired for me to draw from because I had no idea whatsoever. So, what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Number one, he accomplished for us reconciliation. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Reconciliation. What does it mean to be reconciled? To be reconciled means you bring two parties together to bring peace where there was once. You ever, you ever been in a relationship where it was going good at some point and then something happened and came in there and there's that awkwardness? You don't feel comfortable around the person. <clears throat> you, know, you know, you can't share the things you used to share. You can't celebrate the things you used to celebrate because there's, there's friction, there's conflict, there's something there that's gotten in, the, in between in that relationship. And that's the way mankind is doomed to feel until we come to that place of understanding that Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. The punishment that you and I deserved, he took upon himself. Primarily for the reason to bring the two parties back together again, to bring reconciliation. Number two, freedom from sin. Romans chapter six, verse six says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So we've been reconciled. We've been set free from sin. Number three, death has been defeated. Death is swallowed up by triumphant life. Who got the, the last word? I'm reading to you from the message translation of 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Death swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word, oh, death? Oh, death, who's afraid of you now? Amen? That sword that hangs over all of our heads, Jesus took care of. He eliminated. He went before us. He suffered all the pains of death so that you and I, all that becomes to us is a change of address. Amen? Amen? Yes. Number four, what did Jesus accomplish for us on the cross? New life. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, even the faith that I exhibit has come from him. 
you know, we get ourselves in this religious mode where we think that we're going to work this up and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and I'm going to believe and I'm going to confess and I'm going to... But even the ability to, to have faith in him comes from him. It's his faith in us. Amen? And so we totally understand that all that Jesus purchased for us as it pertains to our eternal destination. But what about here and now? What about here and now? Do you know that most religions on the earth, I, I can't, in fact, I can't even think of an exception. Most religions on the earth, always putting everything off that you're going to experience from that belief system or from that God to eternity. Christianity is the only faith, is the only belief system that not only prepares you for eternity, but also equips you for the time that you spend here. So all that Jesus accomplished on the cross, thank you, Lord, thank you that you did what you did so that we could spend eternity with you. Thank you. But we don't have to wait until eternity. In fact, if we're not experiencing it now, we have no hope of experiencing an eternity. Amen? Are you guys with me tonight? Paul said that because the Corinthians did not fully comprehend the body of Christ, it affected their physical well-being. Well, that's here and now. That pertains to life on earth. Yes? Yes. If I'm dealing with sickness, that has nothing to do with eternity. If I'm dealing with oppression in my mind, if I'm dealing with poverty, if I'm dealing with depression, if I'm dealing with addiction, those are not things that that are going to follow me into eternity. And honestly, I can't wait till then to experience relief. If he's Lord of all, then he's Lord now, here. If he's my Savior, he's my Savior now, here. Amen? That's why he said, do this in remembrance of me. Where? Here. I don't even know if we're going to be taking communion in heaven. I don't know. Because he said, whenever you eat and drink this, you're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. So we, we can come to the conclusion that it's possible that our taking of communion is limited to our experience here on the earth. Now, we know there's a lamb supper, the, the, the marriage supper of the lamb in heaven, but that's a, that's a banquet, and it may be a one-time deal. It seems like it's a one-time deal. I don't think we're all going to be having banquets every day of eternity for the rest of eternity. My God. <laughs> Could you imagine what we'd all look like spiritually? Each one of us look like the Kool-Aid man. (laughs) But you understand my point. Jesus has made provision for us here on the earth. Provision, watch this now. Provision not just to receive, but provision for us to show gratitude to him here. Now imagine how important that gratitude is because we're expressing gratitude to someone we can't see. It's going to be easy when we get to heaven to say thank you. It's going to be easy when we get to heaven to just fall at his feet. It's going to be extremely easy to get to, when we get to heaven to believe everything that he could possibly have done. Why? Because he's right there in front of us. Do you remember what Jesus said to Thomas on Easter, well, two, the week after Easter? Thomas wasn't there Easter Sunday night. When he found out that Jesus had appeared, he said to the other ones, in fact, I was listening to somebody teaching today, and said this, in Greek it said, he said, I refuse to believe unless I could touch, put my fingers in, his, in the print of his nails and thrust my hand in his side. 
What arrogance. Can you imagine what he felt like when Jesus showed up? He goes, hey, big shot. Here's the prince. Here's my side. And what did he say after that? You believe because you see, but blessed are those who see that, excuse me, believe without seeing. You know what he was talking about? Us. Us. So look at how good he is. Not only does he bring us provision that we need here while we're on the earth, because I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You know, some of us are used to being overwhelmed with our bills and financial responsibilities. We forget that when we get to heaven, there's no calendars. There's no checkbooks. There's no online banking necessary. Hallelujah. I don't have to worry about, uh, did I put the air conditioning on too long because the electric bill's too high? Are all the lights on in the house? You listening to me? Yes. I don't have to worry about anything. But what, look at how good he is, that he made provision for us while we're still here. And see, if you don't discern that, and you're not discerning the Lord's body and what he's accomplished on the cross. But now there's a whole other part to this. We're told by Paul that not discerning the Lord's spiritual body is just as important as not discerning the Lord's physical body. And who is the Lord's spiritual body? We are. But what do you mean, Pastor? I'll tell you in a second. We're the church. If we remember the work of Christ to save us, we should remember what he saved us for. That he died not just to save individuals from hell, but he died also to bring us together into a family. We try to stress that theme here at New Beginnings, that we're a family. Amen. Amen. We try to stress that so much, we try to put it into action as much as we possibly can. So he says, discern the, the body, that we are one body with many members, and that we need each other, and we're called into this most excellent way of love, the love of the Spirit, by which all the world will see that we are Christ's disciples. I can't tell you how many times I've had people say to me, I come to this church because I cannot believe how much this church does for its members. Now, when he's talking about that, he's not talking about me or the leadership of this church. He's talking about you. When a person says that, they're talking about you. You are the church. Would you get that deep down inside you, please? You are the, turn to somebody and say, you're the church. And I'll tell you what, I don't make a big deal over it, but it hurts a little bit when I hear somebody say, well, you know, uh, your church is so nice. Honey, this isn't my church. Well, I love coming to your church. When does your church have services? It's not my church. That was a habit. Do you remember years ago? That was a habit that a lot of Christians in this area specifically had. Oh, you're going to so-and-so's church. Oh, no, I left so-and-so's church, and now I'm going to so-and-so's church. And I used to think, that is so, because the person's name was never on the front of the building. 
But you see what that mindset was? It's not a family mindset. It's not a mindset of discerning the body because the body of Christ is the body of Christ and the church is the body of Christ and the church belongs to Christ. Maybe if we understood that, it wouldn't be so easy for us to cut each other down. Maybe if we truly, really understood that the church is the body of Christ, maybe we'd treat each other with a little bit more respect. Maybe we'd be there for each other a little bit more. And in, and, in, and in operating in that type of a mindset and that lifestyle, I should really say, maybe the church would become way more attractive to the people outside. You listening to me? You remember when Saul of Tarsus encountered Jesus? What did Jesus say to him? On the road to Damascus, Jesus shows up on the scene. And the first thing he says to him is, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Wait a minute, Jesus. Saul's persecuting the church. Saul's persecuting those believers. But do you see how Jesus equated himself with those believers? You think maybe if every time we saw one of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we saw Jesus, do you think maybe we would treat each other differently? But how many times do we take such freedom to cut this one down and cut that one down and undermine this person and judge that other person? Maybe, maybe if we appreciated each other more, maybe we would even see even more of the power of God manifest. Maybe our faith would be even stronger because faith works by love. You listening? I know all of us want to go, could you just move on to the next subject? But you understand what I'm saying? I know many of us probably before we got born again said, what do I want to go to church for? They're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. They go there and they raise their hands and they sing to God and then they curse about each other when they go out of church. What a witness. But you see, that's the essence of not discerning the Lord's body. Are you listening? So, how should we discern the Lord's body? How should we appreciate the body of Christ? The believers. Number one, we're commanded, not suggested. Say that with me. I'm commanded, commanded. not suggested, suggested. to treat others better than yourself. Hold them in esteem. You don't have to repeat everything now. (laughs) It'll take twice as long to finish this message. Listen to Romans chapter 12 now. Listen, listen, listen. This is a command. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. It doesn't say we have to like each other. We all have different personalities. Some of us are very likable. Some of us takes faith. (laughs) 
and patience. The Bible tells us when we operate in faith and patience, we inherit the promise. Be kindly affectionate, kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. So that's one of the ways that we can discern the Lord's body, the church, each other. Number two, pray for each other. That should be an easy one, right? I'll pray for you, brother. I'll pray for your sister. Don't lie. Because really what you want to say is, I need somebody to pray for me. I got enough things going on in my life. But we don't say that. We go, I'll pray for you. Yeah. And I usually go, I'm not going to hold my breath. But we should pray for each other. Whenever the Lord puts something on our heart, we should pray for each other. We had something really cool happen the other day at breakfast. My wife and I went out to a local place here at breakfast. We, we hardly ever, we, I can't remember the last time we did that. We hardly ever, I'm not crazy about breakfast. So we walked in this place, and as soon as I sat down, one of our brothers that comes to church here immediately came to mind. In fact, I knew in my gut I was going to see this person in the place. So I'm walking in there and I'm looking around. I saw somebody, I thought it was him. So as soon as I sit down, I take my phone out, text him a message. Hope you're doing good, blah, 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 just thinking about you. Three minutes later, who walks through the door? That individual. I said, come, sit down and have breakfast with us. No, no, I don't want to bother you. Come and sit down and have breakfast. So we had the opportunity to spend some time together. Normally, you know how it is in church. You're doing, hello, and you're out the door. <laughs> am I lying? Am I, am I exaggerating? I love your brother. I love your sister. The half hug. You don't have to tell you. You can't build relationships on, I love you, I love you. Are you listening to me? James 5, 16, let me get back on track here. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And when you do, you better make sure you're talking to somebody trustworthy. Preferably somebody who doesn't have a Facebook account. <laughs> Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Oh, there's healing for me when I pray for you? Yeah, that's what it says. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It is. And that's one of the ways we discern the Lord's body. That's one of the ways we appreciate the body of Christ. By taking personal responsibility to pray for those who God puts on our heart. Number three, forgive one another. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. New American Standard, I'm going to read to you. So with those, as those who have been chosen by God, how many people in here have chosen by God? We said, just the rest of you are still wondering. How many people in here are chosen by God? Okay. Holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. Put, put on. Say, put on. Put on. If I have to put something on, that means it doesn't automatically drop on me, right? I have to put it on. Put on what? Compassion, kindness, humility gentleness and patience. Look at verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, 
Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you must, all, you must do also. There should be no grudges among us. There should be no, no rifts between us. Even if we have disagreements, we should be mature enough to be able to, to, to not patch over it, because when you patch over something, it's still there. We should be mature enough to heal those things. Amen? Number four, serve one another. Galatians 6, 10, I'm going to read this from the Passion, paraphrase. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith, especially. Didn't say just to, but especially. Especially. Here's the other thing that I found over the years. Nobody in here, of course, does this. But some Christians, they're all out to help somebody, a stranger, but they won't lift a finger to help a brother and sister in the Lord. Because you, know, you want to know what the root of that is? The stranger you can have strings with. The stranger will come back and keep praising you. When we do something for one another, the glory should go to God, right? Yes. All right, I'll move off that one. <laughs> take, adva take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. And let us never forget that Jesus suffered and died so that you and I would be reconciled to God. And, and this especially. Let us never minimize all that was accomplished on the cross through his body. The Lamb of God who brought us healing and set us into a family that we may glorify him and have life more abundantly. I want to read that again. Listen to me closely. The Lamb of God who brought healing to us spirit, soul, and body, is also the lamb, the lamb of God that has set us into a family. You are set into a family. Well, pastor, I'm shopping around to see what church I like. You don't have the ability to discern that. You've got to go where you, where you know your spirit is leading you. Are you listening? You're not buying a pair of shoes. Are you listening to me? Yes. He sets you in a family. Amen. He sets you. Why? Because he knows. Well, I don't even, I don't really know if I like this church. It doesn't have anything to do with liking. In fact, if you like it too much and you're always comfortable, I'm doing something wrong. Because we're supposed to challenge one another. Yes. We're supposed to sharpen one another. Yes. We're supposed to provoke each other to good works. Nobody said anything about liking. Amen? Amen? You shop around for the best pizza. God sets you in the church. Amen? 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 Glory to God. Remember that Jesus died for that brother and sister just like he did for you. So, discerning the Lord's body involves us receiving revelation in our spirits of what Jesus accomplished on the cross as it pertains to our salvation, as it pertains to reconciliation, as it pertains to transformation, as it pertains to growing up spiritually. We need to discern all that he accomplished in his body on the cross or we'll do without salvation. You know, I could have died and went to hell being a good Catholic. 
And I'm not saying it would have been 100% their fault. But I did not grasp the reality that Christ died to save me. I knew he died. I figured, well, it's either the Romans or the Jews that did it because they hated him. I didn't understand. And I truly believed that. I believed he was born of a virgin. I believed he was the son of God. I believed he died on the cross for my sins, but I didn't understand that I had to grasp that for myself, that that had to become my personal belief, that I had to receive him and all that he accomplished on the cross. I would have went to hell, a good Catholic. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because I was a devout one in my family. I'm the one that people used to come to go, what Satan is this and what Satan is that? And what was this miracle and that miracle? Now, I thank God that as Catholics who were raised to understand God is real and he can work miracles. Some of you guys were raised up in dead churches. They taught you that that stuff stopped centuries ago. I thank God for that. But now we can discern we can look at the crucifixion and understand this, is, this man was not subject to hatred by everybody around him. It was the plan of God that he would come here to this earth in the flesh, get up on that cross, suffer a horrible death so that you and I could be reconciled back to him. We understand that now. We understand that there's healing available to us. For by his stripes we were healed, spirit, soul, and body. We understand that for our sake, he was made poor, that we might become rich in all things. We understand those things. We understand even now, we can even discern it even, for, even further, that we can't receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost without first receiving salvation. Because the blood's got to go first and then the oil. But we didn't know any of those things before. It could not possibly discern them. And some of us, have got to learn, to learn how to discern what it means to be the church. I'm going to turn around when I say this because then I don't have to have somebody come up in the lobby and go, oh, you're looking it right at me when you said that. Okay? Some of us have never learned the fact that church is a family and that we're to assemble ourselves together. That means you don't come right after the first song starts and you leave and walk out the door as soon as Service is over because you're never going to get to be part of the church that way. Not discerning the Lord's body is costing people. And I pray that those that are going to listen to this online next week that have said to themselves, I don't need to go to church. I could stay home and be my own church. Baloney. It's impossible. It's impossible. Well, I like it. It's comfortable. That's the trouble. You like it because it's comfortable. You don't grow when you're comfortable. You need us. You, those of you that are, that are going to be watching this, you need us. You need us to aggravate you so you can get your love walk worked out. You stay home by yourself. There's nobody to, pr pr promote, to provoke you. There's nobody to, 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 for you to sink down and say, oh, Lord Jesus, help me not say anything. You listening to me? How do, you, how do you grow your love walk if you don't put yourself in a position where you've got to force yourself to walk in love? We need each other. Turn to somebody, look at somebody, say, we need each other. Amen. So, you guys ready?
Come on, let's worship the Lord, and then we're going to take communion together. Hallelujah. You've been so good to us, God. You've been so, so good to us, Father. We don't, des- we don't deserve any of it, Lord God. There's nothing that we can do to earn it, Father. All we can do is just throw ourselves on your mercy. God, trusting in your goodness and your faithfulness, Father. Trusting the fact that you always have our best interests at heart, Lord God. So here tonight, Father, corporately we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you endured for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you put up with. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you suffered on our behalf. Thank you, Lord. So grateful, God. So grateful, Father, even now. Lord, for the hearts that you're touching, even now, Father. For the hearts that you're touching, even now, Father. For the hurts that you're healing, even now, Father. For the hope that you're giving, even now, Father. For the comfort that you're bringing even now, Father. So grateful. So grateful, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We do this in remembrance of you, Lord. Just please take hold of that cup and just remove that first plastic film on top. Thank you, Lord, for this this bread. Thank you for all this represents. The bread of life that's been given unto us, God. The Lamb of God who took away the sins of this world. Father, we receive this with thanksgiving in our hearts, God. We remember all that Jesus took upon himself. And Lord... I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would remind us from this night forward not only to discern all that Jesus has done in his physical body, but to also appreciate his body that's here on the earth right now, the body of Christ, our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. So Jesus, we thank you for your blessing upon this bread. We remember you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go right ahead. Just fill back that foil on the top of the cup. Now, Lord... By lifting up this cup, we do declare our gratitude for the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And we make this declaration together. Let's all say this together. Father, Father, we believe believe that the Lord Jesus Christ Christ is the Son of God. God. We believe that he died on the cross cross. as as payment for our sins. 
We believe you raised him from the dead. So that we would have hope of everlasting life. We declare our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We invite him to be our Lord and to be our Savior. As we do this in remembrance of him. And we receive this cup in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Now listen, if you made that declaration of faith tonight for the very first time, declaring your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, please, before you leave tonight, would you please come up front and just tell one of the people that are up here, I declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in my life. Amen? Amen. Even if you did that as an act of rededication tonight, Please, it's important that you let someone know. Let us know that you rededicated your life tonight as we took communion together. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Go enjoy the rest of this weekend. Remember to discern the, discern the Lord's body physically, discern the Lord's body corporately. Amen. God bless you.